Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. So as we all know, podcasting has sort of taken over the world recently, and I've obviously been a big fan of it for a while now, having since launched a podcast 10 years ago, over a decade ago, which is pretty crazy. But it's interesting because only within the past year have we seen a ton of activity, especially in the software space, in terms of solutions and companies, spending loads of money, creating new startups, and all these really fun, amazing tools that we now have access to as podcasters. And whether you are a podcaster or not, it's very important to pay attention to some of the trends and some of the things that we are seeing here. And today I'm really excited because I have a friend on, Jason, who is the founder of Supercast. And Supercast is one of those brand new, not platforms, because podcasting is a platform, but this is something that you add on top of your podcast to help you make more money. In fact, to give you a little bit of insight, this is a way for you to create a membership-like opportunity with your show, a paid RSS feed or a paid subscription model for a podcast. And you'll hear the ins and outs of this story, the startup, how this person, Jason, has taken hold of these opportunities within the podcasting space to serve a big problem. Monetization is much harder on a podcast versus something like YouTube where you can make money through Google AdSense and the advertisements that you see there. Brand deals, sponsorships, yes, that's available on podcasts too, but now we finally have something that can allow us to build on top of this amazing platform and the relationships that we build, and whether you choose to have a premium podcast on top of your free one or just a paid one in and of itself, similar to various tools like Substack, which is a paid email subscription tool, yes, you can actually get paid to have people join your email list, uh, and people do make a lot of money doing that, now we can do this with our podcast using Supercast. So pay attention, we got a lot of stuff to talk with Jason about today, but first, let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, if he was at Hogwarts, he'd be in house Slytherin, Pat Flynn. What's up, y'all? Welcome to session 443 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And like I said, today we're talking with Jason from Supercast. 
Dot-com. In fact, if you wanted to check out the affiliate link for that, or maybe you might wanna wait till the end to do that, that's gonna be smartpassiveincome.com slash supercast. And there's a fun little contest going on right now where you can actually win a lunch with me if you get in on time. If not, you can still check out Supercast, obviously. But anyway, let's just get to the conversation with Jason and learn more about this program and how it all works and how we might be able to best use this in a way that makes sense. Here we go. Jason, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Awesome to be here, Pat. Really excited to chat. I can't wait to talk podcasting, the future of podcasting, podcast monetization in a very unique way, and all about Supercast in just a moment. But I'd love to get a little bit more background on you and your story. When did entrepreneurship and startups become a thing for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to have to wind back the clock a little bit here. Um, How far? uh, Well, you know, I think at university, I, you know, grown up around computers my older brother used to, you know, sell computers way back in the day, you know, when he was, you know, in his 20s or so. He was, was really early on, you know, and I'm talking about the days where it was still five and a quarter inch floppy disk drives, you know, and that was kind of like the latest yeah, like thing, you know, but before hard drives even were a thing. And so I remember, you know, just playing computer games as a kid, everything from, you know, Test Drive to uh, Mongo Bongo, you know, to, you know, uh, just just the really old school Sierra games. And through that path, uh, when I got to university, computer science seemed a really natural fit for me to, to go down. And I just, I, I just found it really fun. And I was also pretty good at it. And so I ended up landing a job at a company called... Uh, Unisys, which is a global global multinational, um, and the reason why you know I guess I touched upon this you know regarding to your question about entrepreneurship is I was offered a choice straight off the bat you know when I uh, started joining Unisys, do you want to go down the technical path or do you want to go down the more kind of business path? Mm. Um, and even though I'd studied computer science and could write software and write code, I decided to go down the the business path because I always saw myself as someone who was curious about entrepreneurship. I always wanted to, you know, be more than just a, you know, kind of a person who's put into a box and said, hey, that's your role, you know, like right. when it comes to software development or anything else. And and I, I liked having my fingers in lots of pies. So I, I went down that path that led to a career in sales and IT. And then, you know, I moved to a smaller agency and then I moved to Australia. I'm originally from from New Zealand. And when I moved to Australia, I found a company called 99designs. and I, I was just in the right place, right time, quite frankly. Joined 99designs as fifth employee. So it was just a couple of developers and a designer prior to that, and as well as the founder, Mark Harbottle, um, who, who's a very much a serial entrepreneur. Uh, and that was really my foray into, uh, I guess, startups and uh, entrepreneurship on the internet because I was able to you know, grow alongside that marketplace so for, for those that don't know, 99designs is a global a community of uh, designers and, and a gr- global creative platform where, uh, you know, you can go and get anything from a logo to a t-shirt to a website to, you know, even a, a car wrap or a tattoo designed on, on 99designs. And, and uh, uh, what we do really well is, is match you to the right designers uh, for the task of, from, from the, you know, one and a half million designers that we have uh, spread across the world. So I was with 99designs for, for 10 years. And so that was all about, you know, how do we uh, make a, a great design experience on the internet for both customers who need something designed, uh, much like, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that are, you know, l- listening uh, on this show, through to also servicing the designers and helping them create a business and an income from 
their passion, which in that case was design. Um, they had a lot of design skills. You know, they wanted to earn some extra money. Maybe work had dried up in the, their local area. Um, that was basically, you know, uh, the the role that we played for for the huge design community that we had on 99designs. And then uh, an, an opportunity came up to, to join Supercast. I got talking to Tiny, Andrew Wilkinson, who is the founder of... Uh, Tiny, uh, that owns a portfolio of around you know twenty internet businesses, as well as Aiden Hornsby, who's a co-founder of Supercast, and it was in the the world of podcasting. And as I dived into it, you know, I was already curious about podcasting because I'd listened to Tim Ferriss, I'd listened to him, uh, you know, and he changed my life through my ears. You know, I'd changed my diet, you know, I changed some of my workout schedules, I'd changed the way I think about you know outsourcing some of the things that I uh, didn't need to hold on to and, and, you know, didn't quite get my work week down to four hours, uh, but it, it had an immense impact on my life. Uh, and so when I evaluated Supercast and being able to jump on board with this early stage startup, do it all over again, just like 99designs, but serving a different creator, obviously podcasters and helping them earn you know, an income and, and build up a sustainable business and, you know, more a, a passive way uh, that's linked to building an audience, uh, I just couldn't resist. So yeah, I had to jump in and do it all over again. That's really cool. Thank you for that rundown on sort of your path. I'd love to go back a little bit to your schooling and having learned a lot of the technical aspects of computer science and those sorts of things, engineering and whatnot. And then having this choice to go the business route is really interesting. And I'd love for you to perhaps speak to a little bit about because, you know, a lot of people who listen to the show, they're at a nine to five, they are very technical, they do know those things. But when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and sales, especially, it's a whole different world. And what was the biggest lesson you've learned and the takeaway that you had when you transitioned into that part of your life away from or perhaps, you know, less focus on the technical stuff and more on the sales? What one or two lessons were really huge for you and helping you really enjoy that, but also get good at it too? That's a really great question. I am actually really fond of sales. I guess for people that have worked in an agency context or a services business, um, you know, sometimes uh, they can feel like, you know, you get caught up in, in meeting the demands of clients and you don't really feel like you are building something ongoing. You don't feel like you're you're getting behind a product or a collection of products or something that, you know, you can kind of like really get attached to and, and you know, service the same pe- bunch of people and build on over time. At least, you know, like that's that's the position that I found myself in when I was in an agency sales role. Um, and when I moved over to Australia, I, I promised myself, I said, okay, no more services business. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I really want to get into product at a product business. I want to get behind a, a particular product and um, maybe sell that instead, or maybe, you know, get into uh, more the development side of things. But what I realized over time and having found a product business is actually the skills that you learn in the the business world and in the agency world, they're just as valuable um, in, in the product business or whatever kind of entrepreneurship role you find yourself in. And, and particularly sales, you know, in my context, I, you know, I've given a talk on this and, and I've always just found that you're always selling. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether you are, you know, pitching early employees on joining a startup, 
uh, on whether you are um, pitching to early customers to try to validate uh, your solution, uh, maybe convincing you know family and friends to kick in a little money and you know support you with getting a, a new business off the ground, or even you know going and convincing you know banks, for example, to to support you. There's just no shortage of opportunities for you for for sales skills to to really help you in in your goal. Um, and so, yeah, I would say those skills that, you know, you, you're working on now and maybe feeling like they're not being put to the best use, don't worry about that. You know, as you take your steps into entrepreneurship, um, those will absolutely find a home. And, the, you know, for sales in particular, you never stop using it. It comes to a point where as your organization grows, you then start to have to be selling to your teams about, you know, why it is that they should build this particular feature. Because if you can't convince your team to get excited around going down a, a, a new particular path or fulfilling an annual vision or a quarterly vision, um, then that's when, you know, your, your entire organization starts to, to be less effective than it could be as well. So, yeah, uh, I, I look fondly back upon those days and, and uh, I think they've served me really well. Part of what's helped me as well with sales, which is something I was not good at either. I was the person at the desk drafting up blueprints and whatnot on AutoCAD and having to become then an entrepreneur, almost forced to be an entrepreneur after getting laid off. I eventually learned that failing is a part of the process. Getting you know through 99 no's to get to that one yes is selling and learning and iterating as you go, understanding what helps people understand what it is that you're sharing and, and presenting. And as you were sort of learning these business skills and becoming and developing your skills and, and talents as a salesperson. What were some of the big failures that you might remember from the early days, whether that's in your agency role or as you started to join these startup companies like 99designs? By the way, uh, love 99designs. We've worked with them before. Caleb and I, who's my videographer and in our business, SwitchPod. In fact, our logo for the SwitchPod came from 99designs. Amazing. Uh, particular designer that we found there who we worked with uh, individually because you can do contests there as well but uh, you can work with individual graphic designers there too and that's been huge because that's now a product that's sold over you know 12,000 over the, over the world and it, it, you know over a million dollars in sale it's it's awesome so uh, big thanks to 99 designs and I didn't know that you were number five there that's that's pretty amazing but going back to your question yeah. in, in in your career what were what were the big failures that you remember that almost made you even stronger yeah so so maybe before I get to that, because you just touched on something that I think is really important. Oh, um, please, yeah. With with that um, with the the question around sales, and and you know your particular context where you know you were you were in architecture school, I guess you know when you created your first product because you realized that you know there must be other people out there that were struggling with the same exam. I think the best form of sales, you know, often you can think about you know, hey, I'm I need to find a salesperson, or I'm not good at sales, I need to go and you know, find someone else that can help me with that. I think often the best form of sales is actually from the subject matter expert directly. It's it's not from somebody whose core skill is necessary, necessarily selling and, you know, they're just really good at pounding out the emails or picking up the phone and, you know, dialing one, one number after another. Mm-hmm. I think there's the, the message and the way you carry yourself when you're the subject matter expert is markedly different that just just can't help but come across when you're you're talking to customers and prospective customers, so I think in you know in the, in your case, the fact that you had just you know studied this architecture exam and were in that moment, and you you know were absolutely in the headspace of the the customer that might be searching for your product, I think that carries you know a, a lot of weight that people might 
discount. Um, so I think if you're a technical, you know, specialist uh, listening and, and, you know, you've always wondered, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not really that comfortable with sales, uh, you know, I, I would also encourage them just to to give it a try because it really, you don't have to try hard for it to be authentic. And a lot of what matters in sales is actually being that authentic person and that authentic advisor that your customer can can really count on. Thank you for that. That's, that's I love that. Thank you. And, and, and then... If you could speak to a couple sort of lessons you've learned over time, I'd love to then transition after that into to some supercast and podcast stuff, which is sort of why we're here. But I'd, I'd love to, to know a little bit more because I know a lot of the audience is in the same position and starting their career in their own business or, or another startup and would love to kind of fast forward through some of the some of the hardships. Yeah, so I think... You know, one big one is always to to start with a customer, uh, and always to start with the, the the customer experience and and the customer's view of the world and the specific problem um, that you're trying to solve for them. Uh, I don't think there's ever a time where you can focus too much on the customer, but you know, particularly when it comes to putting a new product out to the market or you know, seeing if uh, you've got something that you know you can. Uh, make money on. You know, it's all too easy to fall into the trap of, hey, what's the technical solution I need to bring together? You know, who are the right people to be working on this? Um, You know, uh, okay, if I grab, you know, these five engineers and this designer and this product manager and we go, you know, jump into a cave for, for, you know, two years, then you will come out with the perfect solution. I think, you know, the, the, the world of entrepreneurship and startup has just moved, you know, a, a long way beyond that. And really, there are just so many great tools and some great, you know, ways to get started these days, whether it be, you know, the likes of Google Forms or Typeform or, um, you know, using something like uh, Wix to put up the first version of your site, using something like Teachable to put up a video course, you know, obviously Supercast, you know, to put up a paid podcast, you know, all of these tools just make it a lot easier to get something up to date. Uh, or or tomorrow, um, and I think the the closer you are to actually getting customer feedback and putting a little chat bubble on the screen so that you can hear directly from customers when they get stuck, that is uh, one of the big you know lessons that that I've learned over time because there's certainly been lots of cases at Ninety Nine Designs, uh, and you know I'm, I'm just thinking about Ninety Nine Designs because that was a big part of my uh, uh, early days mm-hmm. uh, where we overinvested in certain things. And, you know, we might have spent even, you know, a couple of months building out new features, which just fell flat when they launched because we didn't take the time to, to really make sure that customers wanted that and, and it served a big enough problem that, you know, they were going to be excited about using it when it came out. That makes sense. Yeah. F- focusing on the customer is huge. I mean, I teach that and it's something that will unlock so many new directions for you and a lot of empathy for who it is that you're serving as well. And like you said, stop you from perhaps going down a path that uh, you think is the right path to go on, but isn't really where you should be going. So I'd love for you to speak on that related to Supercast, like how and who are you listening to and what were the problems that you were solving with regards to this brand new company and Supercast and, and what it offers? Tell us a little bit about what it is and then sort of the origin story behind it as well. Happy to. Uh, so Supercast makes it easy to add a paid membership to your your podcast uh, in a nutshell. And so, you know, a lot of podcasters uh, that are listening, maybe you've already built up uh, an existing audience uh, that, uh, you know, is in a particular niche and you, you know, you're publishing that podcast on a regular basis. 
whether it be through Libsyn or Anchor or any one of the podcast hosts uh, that help you distribute you know, your audio um, and then get into your listeners' ears. What we do is we actually bring on a private feed technology um, and, and a, a private feed platform through Supercast, which allows you to easily convert a small percentage of your audience into paying members. So what we generally see is anywhere from 2 to 7% of, you know, all of the, the average downloads per episode that you might get might pay you uh, just, you know, a little bit of money per month to get some more insight from you, more content from you. And, um, you know, just just to uh, to really step inside your your mind, you know, as as somebody that is, uh, again, a subject matter expert on, on uh, the topic that you're podcasting about and get a little bit deeper connection with you as well. You know, one of the beautiful things about podcasting is it's a very intimate medium. And mm-hmm. through listening to someone repeatedly, you know, you you really get that connection with them and feel like it's somebody that you um, you you know know very well on an everyday basis. And 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 a paid membership allows you to take that even further uh, with a small group of your audience uh, who who wants that. So the way we got started with Supercast uh, was actually you know going back to the the minimum viable product story or or you know kind of building things the simplest way possible. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually not to build a platform uh, right from the outset. It was actually helping big podcasters uh, from the likes of Sam Harris, Peter Atiyah, um, and Rhonda Patrick. Um, it was thinking through solutions for them about how they could build a paid membership that led us to the Supercast opportunity. Um, they obviously have, you know, highly engaged audiences. Advertising wasn't, you know, necessarily a natural fit for them. And they thought that they could offer more value to, um, you know, their their true fans, their thousand true fans, by creating this premium membership model where they're giving more access to themselves um, and more content uh, in exchange for that monthly fee. Uh, and so when we switched on, you know, solutions for, for those podcasters, we're just stunned by how big a business they could build, you know, sometimes into the millions of dollars from, uh, you know, a really highly engaged audience who you know just really wanted to to get in a, a little bit extra uh, and so it was at that point where the penny dropped for us and we thought wow how many podcasters are out there sitting on you know a, a gold mine and, and just don't yet realize it yet and and so that's why we built supercast uh, out as a platform that the whole podcasting world can can leverage and take advantage of you know it's interesting because it it sort of similarly reminds me of of a service called uh, Substack for email. Absolutely. Email, email marketing, you sign up, you subscribe, you get the emails. Well, with Substack, you can actually charge to have people subscribe. And that caused a little bit of a stir because, you know, hey, emails are supposed to be free and that, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of people who have highly technical knowledge or some special access and people are willing to pay to get access to that. And then on the podcasting side, I mean, my question for you is, and this is a, a response I know people are going to have to this, uh, is I thought podcasting was supposed to be a free thing. Now we're putting it behind a paywall where this isn't podcasting anymore, is it? How do you respond to those who are just because we've been so conditioned to see podcasts be something for free? I mean, there's no way we could charge for this unless we are comfortable with this. And how do we get comfortable with this idea? Great question. So I think the way Substack is set up, 
and, and also the way Supercast is set up is very much the freemium model. And, you know, it's a little bit of a jargony term from the software world. But if you think about a lot of the software that you use these days, uh, whether it's uh, QuickBooks or Xero, you know, uh, other kinds of accounting software uh, through to, you know, a website builder like Squarespace or Wix or Weebly or something like that. Often, you know, your first experience is free. You know, you get a chance to get in there and get a taste of it, play around with it, and and maybe get a limited feature set. But at a certain point, um, you know, if you use that product on an ongoing basis and you get value from it, and uh, then often, you know, you will pull out your credit card and and, and pay to get uh, that better experience. The freemium model also lends itself to, I think, you know, newsletter writing in the case of Substack or podcasting in the case of Supercast. So the free part is, of course, the podcast you're already doing. Uh, and so we certainly would never recommend that somebody that is already producing a podcast and giving that content away from fr- for free goes and puts that behind the paywall completely and loses, you know, all of their sources of incoming traffic from from iTunes and and wherever wherever else. And you know, moreover, those those pe- those customers that they were serving the listeners were used to getting that for free. So. You know, it's just not going to fly to to um, all of a sudden wake up the next day and, and find out that you have to pay for for something that you're used to getting for free. Um, so instead, the way we encourage people to think about it is everyone is loving your content for free. Keep doing that. But there is a certain portion of your true fans that really engage with, you know, your story and, and the value that you have to offer them. And they will you know, and this is where the 2 to 7% comes in, they will be happy from our experience to pay you anywhere from 5 to $15 per month to get more access to you and more content from you. So it's things that you're adding on top as opposed to anything that you're segmenting um, and pulling away from them uh, to put behind the paywall. Um, and then so in, in terms of like what you can offer, this is where I guess we differ from something like Patreon where you know a lot of Patreons are set up um, really just as a support, a way to support a creator for something mm-hmm. that they're already doing. Uh, Supercast One is developed specifically for podcasters. So we can reduce like a 10-step sign-up process in Patreon through to down to five steps in, in Supercast. So, you know, just to step through a little bit, you know, as an abstract, rather than, you know, clicking a link in the show notes, choosing a plan on Patreon, signing up for Patreon, entering a credit card, landing on a member page, finding an RSS link, copying it into Apple Podcasts, if that's your player. Um, You have to find, you know, kind of an ad show by URL link uh, and then pasting in the RSS link. You know, that's that's the kind of the the 10 steps that you would have to go through um, with Mm -hmm. something like a Patreon. With Supercast, what we're focused on is, you know, just a really seamless, simple experience for, for your listeners. So if they hear you talk about your premium offering and the fact that it offers, you know, additional content and maybe AMAs, maybe an ad-free feed in, in your actual podcast episode, then you direct them to click a link, link in the show notes. That link takes them to your plan or your plans on a Supercast landing page. You can pay with Apple Pay, Google Pay in, in one step. You know, you don't even require a password. And then uh, once you've paid, you just simply tap the podcast player of your choice. So again, Apple Podcasts, if you already use that, and it automatically opens up and auto-populates the RSS feed uh, with one more tap so that the premium version of your podcast is loaded right into the player where they listen to podcasts uh, every day. That's really cool. So it's it's definitely a lot simpler. I, I, have, a, I have a ton of questions that I owe my audience that's going to be curious about. And the first one that I have is specifically to 
this is a struggle when a lot of people start charging for things just in general, right? They've been giving away a lot of free information, building this audience, and then they charge for a course or they charge for something else. And now we're charging for something that's, you know, people are used to getting for free, but it's it's separate, right? So I love that you sort of delineated that. No, we're not putting what was once free behind the paywall. We're just adding something for those who want to go deeper or who would love to support us. And I, and I love that. That's definitely a Patreon-like thing, but then potentially even more valuable with the podcast being the center of it all. Actually, and, and, and just to go back to that point, Pat, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt, uh, I think the, the internet and websites are actually kind of a great analogy here in terms of where we are in the cycle of uh, monetizing and charging for podcasts, you know, being something that people are comfortable with. You know, if you think about the early days of the internet, how do people monetize websites? Yeah. It was just it was just all of those cheesy banner ads, right? You know, like, and, and AdSense came along and, you know, that just kind of made that whole thing explode. But if you if you think about contrasting those early days where that was the only way to make a little bit of money, you know, a, a couple of cents a click at a time, through to the internet today, there's just so many different ways you can you can monetize uh, your web presence, whether that be, you know, a membership site on, on the internet that's, you know, tried and true. It could be uh, creating a teachable course, a video course, an audio course. You know, there's just the proliferation of so many different ways. And obviously selling things, e-commerce has ex- exploded. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see the same thing in podcasting and in and, and audio uh, more generally where yes advertising was first you know there because we know how to do ads and you know there's plenty of companies out there that are willing to to pay for for attention but I, I think there are much more kind of uh, m- many more levers that that, that we can uh, create as well that you know per- perhaps are even more directly aligned uh, with what the audience that you're serving is is looking for. So rather than you know kind of throwing mattress ads at them, you know, for right. uh, when when they're not necessarily shopping for a mattress, if they're listening to your podcast and they're they're loving your podcast and creating a premium membership allows you to serve them better, then ultimately we think that that's going to help you create a, a better show overall. I mean, even when we bring the math into it, you had mentioned a thousand true fans. If they each pay you five dollars a month for this additional content, additional access, et cetera, and make it easy for them to do that. I mean, that's an additional 5,000 a month or 60,000 a year that's coming in as a result of that, which is really amazing to think about, um, especially when it allows for even a cooler experience for those who are already fans who have probably been looking for different kinds of ways to support you. However, where I was going before is, and I know this will be a struggle, is like, okay, if we open up this new feed that is new content for our audience, how do we best know what goes on the free feed and what goes on the paid feed? This starts to become a big internal struggle for a lot of people and it almost makes them either feel bad about putting something behind the pay wall or within the paid feed versus giving it away for free or feeling bad for the people who had paid who see that, okay, there's now information that's good going into the free spot. How do how does one or how do you help us manage that internal battle of what's free versus what's paid? Great question. What a lot of podcasters do is they they really reserve, you know, some of the 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 things that give you deeper connection for the the private feed. So a lot of the interviews that they do with guests, if if it's a you know guest oriented show, uh, they will still continue to put out onto the the public feed just as they do today. And from time to time, if a really big guest comes on, 
that's you know kind of an opportunity maybe to to reserve that episode for the the private feed and what you can do is you know and it's it's up to you different podcasters take have a different take on this um, but you can also for example take that that one special episode and put a teaser of that onto your public feed and how much of that you give away is is really up to you you know like Sam Harris, for example, you know, like he, he, you know, cuts off episodes, uh, you know, a lot of episodes, you know, and, 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 you know, kind of really strongly encourages people to go over to, to the private feed. Other people, you know, like tease, you know, just a couple of minutes of an episode, whereas others can give away, you know, 90% of the, the episode. And then it's just kind of the real, the last, uh, maybe five or 10 minutes that they put onto the private feed where they might ask a few specific questions about uh, you know how you know the the key learnings in life that 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 particular person has learned and you know kind of boil you know their secret sauce and what they think makes them successful mm-hmm. um, you know down to a, a few key pieces of information that they they could put onto the private feed so you know that's kind of one way to think about it uh, is you know special episodes and and how you um, you know kind of tease that and use that as a way to encourage people to to pay for your private feed. Uh, another way to think about it is access to you. And being able to engage with you is actually, you know, a really valuable thing uh, that, you know, a lot of your audience would probably, you know, pay money for, especially, you know, the, the more subject matter expertise you have, you know, the, the more valuable that that is, of course. And so something that we very commonly see is monthly or quarterly AMAs where audience members get the opportunity to ask you questions and then you'll record an episode, you know, once a month, once a quarter, where you actually answer the, the, the top questions and then deliver it back to those private members as a private episode on the private feed. So that's, you know, an example of something where, you know, it definitely is going above and beyond what you might be doing on your regular show and therefore... Um, you know, it justifies uh, you being able to position that as something that only uh, premium members can access. And uh, it, it actually, that that one particular thing we're seeing in such regularity that we're actually building, we've actually built out an AMA platform into Supercast, um, where cool. people that subscribe on Supercast can actually ask you questions uh, via um, the, the AMA portal that they get access to. With their voice or text? Uh, just with text at this stage. But uh, what you can do is um, you can also search over previous questions that have been answered. Um, so it builds up, you know, kind of this this big repository over time. Ooh, um, cool. And then as you, uh, you know, once a month, you can look over, hey, what are the top questions? They can be upvoted by other listeners. And then you record it with your voice, um, uh, one, upload one episode to Supercast, and then you can time code where those answers actually appear. Uh, so when the listener gets notified that, you know, question seven has been answered, they simply, you know, hit play and their answer uh, starts playing, you know, right from from the time code of that that episode. So, yeah, we're thinking more and more about how to make it easy for podcasters to actually uh, create some of this value uh, through things like AMAs as well. That's really neat. I, I've seen a couple other use cases for privatized feeds. Um, and 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 having people pay for them, I I know a couple podcasters who, for example, at the end of their interviews, they will keep the person who they're interviewing on for another fifteen minutes, sort of after the regular episode has wrapped up, to do some bonus content, which might be a little bit more lighthearted or even potentially more serious or or what have you. But there becomes this sort of rhythm of 
you know, hey, there's this sort of insider's circle that you kind of have to pay to get access to after the regular episode where you can get an additional 15 minutes of time with myself and, and, and the person who we're interviewing. And that's that's a pretty cool use case. I know also we've discussed potentially, you know, offering a private feed for certain uh, memberships that we already have. Is that a, a particular use case that Supercast can support with? For example, you have a membership community, you want a podcast, but not a public one, but a private one that only those members who perhaps are you know, elsewhere uh, can find. Absolutely. We've seen people make use of private feeds in a lot of different ways. You know, it's it's one of those mediums where, you know, like we, when you get into it, uh, it just serves all kinds of different use cases. So just to give a couple of examples. So we, you know, we have Electrician Success Academy uh, who have a, you know, a, a really great teachable video course, uh, actually, um, and and they help electricians level up their business and maybe go from being, you know, a single electrician who's struggling to kind of like keep everything in order and manage, you know, a business as well as, you know, getting to appointments on time through to, you know, just really having an electrician business with, you know, multiple staff members on, on autopilot. They've had this teachable course for years, but the first, the first video in the course is actually go and sign up for this private feed on uh, Supercast. Because, you know, and you can imagine the use case, electricians are driving around all day, uh, you know, from, yeah. from, you know, one house to, to, to another and they can't always be, you know, uh, watching video. And, and so the, the audio mechanism allows them to, you know, serve kind of more use cases and, and get more uh, learning time in than would otherwise be possible. So is that the audio of the course essentially that they're listening to instead? And it just so happens to be delivered through uh, a unique Supercast podcast feed. Is that how it worked? Uh, it's actually something on top of that. On top of it. Okay. Well, either one would actually be pretty useful. Maybe there's two feeds in there. Um, would and, and this is this is a value add play, right? Supercast is an additional value that's added to the course. Or do those members of the course who see those videos, if they want to get access, they have to pay additional. No, it's all bundled in, and I think uh, really because cool. it's, I think it's because it's a monthly subscription model. It's actually genius because a video, you know, once you've watched all the videos, you know, often you're done, and and you know, it'll either be a one-off charge, or maybe you stop subscribing at that point. Whereas getting somebody to go through that course, but then also overlaying that with an ongoing podcast means that that person continues to receive value over the long term mm. uh, and also, you know, sticks around and, and uh, continues to be, uh, you know, a long-term subscriber. You know, I think it's one of those things where you can just build in a habit on top of, you know, just taking a course as a one-off. That's really cool. That's, I, that's actually really smart. And so in Supercast, I could come in, set up a feed and not charge a thing. It's essentially free, but it's private. And this is how you would set this up, right? So that you can just offer that information or uh, either have people sign up or technically find the feed uh, from there, from within. And th there's no paywall uh, because it's a free thing, but it's still private, right? Uh, th that's right. So we can, we can integrate it in a number of different ways. So for a lot of people who you know, they just have a podcast and um, they may or may not have a website. You know, if they're starting, you know, really with their first steps into monetization, then we can provide the landing page where they can, you know, just through the, the uh, with a couple of clicks, they can put together their first plan, describe what they want in that plan, decide on a price. We take care of all of the payment and, um, you know, getting those, those feeds in a really slick way into listeners, podcast players. That's, um, you know, one use case. In, in the situation where people already have a membership site, maybe they have already 
already have a teachable course uh, and they're already accepting payment somewhere mm-hmm. else, uh, we can hook into that so that, you know, and this is via integrations through a platform called Zapier or even uh, direct uh, integrations, we can hook into that so that you take care of collecting payment somewhere else um, and you can charge whatever you want, obviously, for your your membership offering. And then in the back end, when you tell us there's a new member, we'll just use the APIs to to allow Supercast to come back and say, okay, you've got a new member. Here's their individualized RSS feed um, that you can you can have them load into their podcast player. Oh, an individualized RSS feed, meaning that's unique to them and they can't really share it with anybody else. So there's some protection there. Absolutely. And so this is something that we did from from day one and you know felt was v- very important uh, in terms of like setting up the future of of what this offering mm-hmm. could be and so yeah the at a, at a first glance you know analytics is something that is a, a huge benefit of this you know we can tell for each individual lister you know how often they're engaging with content and what content they're engaging with which obviously is something that you That's don't huge. get from from no, your we don't public podcasts <laughs> uh and then secondly you know, in terms of feed privacy, it means that somebody can't take their feed and share it on Reddit without, you know, and, and get away with it. You know, if you only had one private podcast feed, which some podcast hosts also offer, if that happened, you're kind of stuck. Um, you know, it's already getting, you know, pirated and you also can't change the feed because everybody else who's legitimate relies on that you know, that feed to access your content. Uh, but in the supercast world, if somebody, um, if we detect and we have algorithms that are monitoring and looking out for things like, hey, this feed was used in 10 different cities on the same day, uh, that doesn't look right. Um, and, and what we do is we, we let the podcaster either get in touch with that person or just suspend that feed uh, immediately. And that doesn't affect anybody else that's listening oh, and on, on a basis. Now, okay, so this is getting me excited because there's so many use cases. In addition to bonus content that people can pay for and a fan would love to support you with, as opposed to just like a tip jar, you're actually offering something of value and can get paid back in return even on a monthly recurring situation. Now, this sort of privatized fee that you can control in top of other things that you're doing, for example, with SPI Pro, our membership, you know, we are on the team discussing a SPI Pro private feed for people who are part of this membership, sort of like as another value add and a reason for people to continue to stay in. And it'll be sort of uh, additional access to the team and some things that we aren't really sharing elsewhere. And specifically for things that are sort of above those who are just literally starting from scratch in their business. So this would be a perfect place to put it in 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 a great way to keep people in the membership a great additional access to the team and to have that uh, sort of be a part of it and have every member get sort of an individual fee that they get when they subscribe is is huge. Um, I'm imagining also, if you have an online course, having a fee that's maybe just the audio of your course and just another value add that you can add on top of the videos that you have. Hey, if you are out and about all the time, you can actually subscribe to the podcast and inside the feed already is all the all the course material so you can actually listen your way through and get through the course even faster um, and then maybe there's some of course other things that you can add on on top of that as well there's just so many cool opportunities I, I'm, I'm thinking of related to how this can be used in that in that way that's got me really excited Jason thank you for that and for those ideas yeah and I think it's just the start when it comes to you know, what we can do with individual feeds, you know, I think it just changes the dynamic of the connection that you can have with your audience when you can actually get into a group of people's ears or one person's specific ear. You know, if you were an, if you were also an events-based business, 
where you know you did live events you know obviously you know now is not <laughs> a time where a lot of those are going on but uh, you know, if you were making a trip out to New York and and you wanted to reach all of the listeners in New York, you know that's something that is you know possible when you you know kind of the, wow. the uh, you know where people are and and how to reach them. If you wanted to do something like uh, you know we talked about feed fraud, uh, for example, um, but there's also there's other times you might want to reach people like their credit card expired, or it's their birthday, or it's their anniversary. Imagine being able to drop an episode into one person's feed just to let them know that, you know, you appreciate them uh, and to, to help them, you know, celebrate their anniversary. Or, or what? Oh, my gosh. That's huge. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Okay. I mean, even like, again, I'm thinking about, about SPA Pro because it's on the top of my mind right now. But like, if there was some way to integrate, some way to know whether or not, you know, they've been in for you know, a month, it's their month anniversary after subscribing that we can pop in some episode or some special audio that says, hey, it looks like you've been a member of SPA Pro for a month. Just want to say thank you from the entire team. I can have the whole team sort of say something nice. And that is, yes, scalable because we're sharing it with everybody, but it goes out in those specific moments. That's really interesting. Jeez. Okay. Sorry. My head's just kind of spinning. No worries. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited because I, you know, through previous conversations with you, I know that you you do get excited about, you know, these these personal touches, and so that's you know that's just something that you know we, uh, you know, are, are continuing to 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 think through and and you know just come up with you know we want to come up with all of the cool things that we can do to to not only deliver this stuff in a private way but add all of these additional layers on top to to really enrich the medium. I mean, I'm imagining a YouTuber who maybe has a lot of influence. They they are a um, you know a vlogger, and they have this really deep connection with their audience on YouTube in a more public arena. Imagine if that YouTuber were to then say, "Hey, guys, by the way, I'm doing a daily private podcast with this. It's just going to be my thoughts. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to record just how I'm going to be approaching my day for 30 minutes. You're not going to get it anywhere else except on this podcast feed." And so come here and subscribe and, and get access to that. And, and, you know, what if I did that? Like every, I, like I had a Pat's, you know, daily diary podcast where, you know, you'd pay $5 to support, but uh, every morning I would just share sort of like, like a diary or maybe it's the, the, the end of the day and just talking about and being very honest and vulnerable and open with people who, you know, who would subscribe to that? The super fans who would want to hear those kinds of things anyway. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but it would be something I think people would enjoy. Not saying I'm going to do that. I'm just kind of uh, sharing this out loud. But man, no, you- I, I love that. You know, I, for some reason, I remember that story that you shared of, I think it was right before FlynnCon, uh, where where you were, you know, like up late at night and you were getting a glass of milk from the fridge or whatever, and you just dropped it on the ground and you had oh, and I started down. like crying. Yeah, and, and <laughs> like what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe that you know, if you'd had this private podcast, you could have grabbed the mic and just kind of let it all out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, there's some really cool uh, use cases here. But uh, Jason, thank you for this. And then finally, like, can you just go over technically a person signs up or gets access to this feed, like? I'm trying to still imagine how this gets into our favorite podcast app, right? It's hard to tell people to go, hey, I know you listen on Apple Podcasts, but you got to now listen here instead. That's a big barrier, I would imagine. I know you solved this problem. So you can, can you explain how that works? Sure. So so the, the, the philosophically, we don't want people to have to do anything different. Um, so the, it's not a special app. You know, there's no special apps to download. Uh, and if somebody is using Apple Podcasts and that's where they 
you know, listen to all of their other podcasts, then actually we want them to listen to the premium version of your podcast in Apple Podcasts as well. That's possible. Uh, yeah, that's so that's absolutely the flow that uh, we have created. Um, so they, just to step through that again, um, they, if they're listening to your show and they hear a call out to go and subscribe to, uh, you know, SBL Premium, let's say, and they, you know, you direct them to go and click a link in the show notes, they can then click that link uh, they'll go to a landing page, choose their plan. They'll pay with Apple Pay or Google Pay. And then on the next page, it'll say, add uh, the premium podcast to your podcast player. And it'll have an icon for all of the, the popular podcast players um, that support private feeds. Um, so Apple Podcasts is absolutely there. You know, Castro, Pocket Casts, you know, they, they, they'll be an icon for each one of those. And all I have to do is tap that icon. It'll automatically open up on your phone, Apple Podcasts, and it'll bring up automatically the little box that that says add a, a podcast and it'll have the the private feed that's unique to you automatically populated. So it's really it's really two taps. You pay once, you tap once to, to pay, you tap once to select your podcast player and then tap one more time to subscribe. And then from there on out, Supercast is invisible. Uh, every day you're just loading up Supercast, uh, sorry, you're just loading up Apple Podcasts. Uh, and often what our podcasters do is they create a premium version of their podcast artwork um, so that you can differentiate between the, the public and the All private right. feeds. But it's not going to be in Apple Podcasts directory. Exactly. It's not in the directory. So there's no risk of, you know, people that aren't paying seeing that because you've added it specifically by the private uh, feed URL that that we've given you and auto-populated into Apple Podcasts. Nice. That makes sense. I think if if I were to do that, I would still, I would create a public feed with the same artwork or the, the pro version and just have one episode that says, hey, you found this by mistake. It's actually over here. You could pay to get access to the pro version or something. That, that way, because I know people are going to probably look it up and Anyway, I'm just thinking out loud, but that's so cool that you saw that problem because I know that that was a big question that a lot of people might have. And that was the first question I had. It was like, I don't want to change where I, you know, am I going to have to go somewhere else or listen to this private feed elsewhere? Am I just, is it just website-based? No, it's in your app that you already listen to, which is super cool. So hopefully, audience, you've uh, got your gears turning and have thought about different ways that you've been able to utilize a tool like this. And Jason, where... Should people go to check it out, get access to it, et cetera? Yeah, so you can find us uh, at supercast.com. And um, yeah, that's you know that's where you can find uh, a lot of information on obviously how it works, a little bit of a video of uh, that experience that we just talked through. And we've got actually a pretty in-depth um, membership guide on there as well. You can find it up in the, the navigation uh, there where there's seven chapters of you know how you think about putting together a paid membership, everything from, you know, planning it, um, you know, testing it with your audience, pricing it, working out, you know, what you should put in, in terms of like those premium features through to launching it and then continuing to, to grow it uh, mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis. Um, so if you, you know, kind of need to read through it more and more detail to, to get comfortable and just want to see some use cases, that's there. We've got a customer case study section where, you know, you can get a little bit more of that as well. And yeah, while you're on the website, you'll probably see a banner at the top to that, you know, Supercast has a paid to podcast competition where we're uh, giving away over $100,000 uh, to the podcasters who can build the biggest membership over uh, the second half of 
2020. Uh, so this just launched actually on at the beginning of July, and we, uh, you know, uh, put up a lot of cash and a lot of prizes from a, a, an industry collective of, um, you know, great podcasting companies. Um, you know, the likes of Descript uh, for editing, Captivate, you know, for podcast hosting, uh, Double Up, you know, for uh, marketing consulting. And, you know, what what really got us excited was uh, this guy named Pat Flynn uh, very generous, generously offered to also sit down for lunch uh, with the, the grand prize winner. So we're super excited to be able to fly that grand prize winner uh, and, and, you know, provide uh, return uh, travel as well as accommodation uh, to go and, and meet you, Pat. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, when this whole thing wraps up at the end of the year. Yeah, no, and, and when it's safe to do so, obviously. Yeah, Jason, dude, thank you so much. Supercast.com. And just thank you so much for the, just giving us this opportunity to potentially monetize in a really amazing way. I think it could be a perfect solution for a lot of us who've been struggling for uh, different kinds of ways to monetize and just haven't really hit the nail on the head yet. So anyway, thank you, Jason. Appreciate you. Looking forward to seeing who wins the contest. And for everybody out there, supercast.com is where you want to go. And yeah, appreciate your time. Awesome. Very grateful to be on the show, Pat. Thanks, Jason. Thanks much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and for delivering value to us today and also for creating something great for those who are looking and seeking for other monetization opportunities within the podcasting space. You can, of course, check out Jason and Supercast over at smartpassiveincome.com slash Supercast. I'll take you to the right spot. And you can obviously, like I said earlier, take advantage of that contest that's going on right now. So long as you're listening to this soon after this episode comes out, if not, obviously still check out the Supercast and see how they've evolved. And we're gonna get Matt and I, uh, Matt on my team and I are definitely gonna get involved with uh, seeing how Supercast might be able to provide more value to you as well as our students and members in SPI Pro as well. So we'll see what happens, but really excited about this and other monetization opportunities in this space and other spaces too. And we're gonna continue to keep you up to date on all these things. So make sure if you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe and good luck to you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. And as always, Team Flynn, for the win. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.